Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain it, what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC has escaped the Groundhog Day existence and has ended the Helton era. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Random Troy Radio, episode 423, coming to you on Wednesday. November 3rd, we're going to look forward to USC's game against the Arizona State Sun Devils at Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe on Saturday night. Uh, and then we're going to open up a huge mailbag, talk about news. Clay Allen's got a new job. We're going to talk about that uh, and so much more here on this episode. As always, follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, wherever you can find a podcast, we are there. Our email address is reignoftroyfansider.com, and our phone number is 213-373-1USC, Second Woodsburn Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we are back to talk about another week of USC football, um, and we got a ton of news this time. I am super excited about talking about news, even though some of it is not so good. Not so good for USC. Um. You can you can guess what that one is, but we we can get to that a little bit later. Uh, Alicia, we also got two new reviews over on Apple Podcasts. First one, five stars. Uh, you want you want to read it? All right, our review is from Xella or Zella. Yeah, this is why I'm having you read it because I didn't want to try that. Yeah, sorry, uh, person. Five stars. Uh, Alicia and co, we missed you. So glad you're back and recovered from the flu and GI issues. I used to get sick every other year. Since I changed my diet to a plant-based diet, I have never been sick. Please check out Game Changers and or Forks Over Knives. 
All the best. We love you. And those five stars. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, I, I fully acknowledge that my diet could be better. I, I uh, You want to go plant-based, though. My mom eats clean, and uh, she loves it, and she swears by it, and I do not have that kind of discipline. The best I can do, honestly, the best I can do is going low-carb. And, like, going yeah. low-carb is really good for me. Yeah, me too. Uh, but uh, but it's also difficult, but, like, it's I can do it. I can just empty the house of I, carbs and I can do it. No pun intended, but I have beef with the term eating clean. Well, you have beef with my mother then. Mm, maybe that's not a good thing. <laughs> maybe I need to revise my decisions and yeah. avoiding things. No, I, 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 I'm, all, I'm all for doing low carb, even though it's definitely the opposite of plant-based. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Surely. But, uh, but, you know, we all got to try to do the things that work for us and yeah. Yeah. I Either way, we, we appreciate it. Uh, Alicia and Co. Uh, do definitely appreciate that one. Five stars. And we got another one. Five stars from Funzies, who says, uh, Good show. This podcast has become a lot like USC season. Great five stars when they show up. Well, that's only been like three times this season. Oh, my God. The accuracy. Oh, the accuracy. That's just that's just too sharp, Funzies. Too sharp, too accurate. It hurts, but it's true. It hurts, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's sad because it's, it's true. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We're trying. Hey, we're here now, so we're potting. All right, Lisa, we got a bunch of news, uh, so let's just get right into it. We have to start with the bad news and then work ourselves up into the more interesting news. Uh, the bad news, what we all expected, Drake London, fractured ankle out for the season. Uh, he should be good to go for, for draft prep, which is good for him. This is uh, it, It's a break, so it's something that's going to not be a long-term hindrance, you'd have to think. Uh, but it's bad news for USC in 2021. It's bad news for the potential uh, Bolitnikov campaign that he was putting together. I I can't see him winning the Bolitnikov anymore. Uh, it's now a question of, will he be an All-American? Uh, like Those are the things that you start to wonder now, because if he only plays seven games, uh, it's hard. Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty hard. Seven and a half games. It's hard to get on those those lists. Hey, as I said on Twitter, if uh, if USC used collegesportsmadness.com to end up with dudes on the All-American wall, I think we should just have the Reign of Troy Radio All-American team that we issue this year um, and, uh, and, and give our All-American votes. And then that's USC should have good enough reason to have him on the All-American wall. Yeah, it's just a bummer that comes, you know, years after Dominic Davis the fourth-time All-American, uh, according to... Uh, Troy Radio. Troy Radio. Like, he never got the honors that he deserved. So, mm -hmm. uh, kind of a bummer there. But, no, seriously, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to USC's offense without Drake London. We talked about this in the car cast. When you're throwing, the ball, throwing him the ball as much as they are, that was the identity of the offense, was get the ball to Drake London and see what goes on outside of that. And... Now we have to see what goes on outside of that. 
Keontae Ingram probably gets uh, some more carries, you'd have to think. Um, but also expect a huge uptick in, in production from the other guys because they got to step up. Taj Washington, uh, Gary Bryant Jr., uh, Kyle Ford, uh, Joseph Manjack the Fourth, maybe. Uh, tight ends that that are out there and available uh, may may factor in more. Maybe you get the res- the running backs more involved in the in the receiving game. You got to figure really out something you, where you miss Trig. Yes, very much so, because he would have, I mean, he literally was recruited as the, the Drake London clone, right? Yeah. So he's injured, and uh, that's not not ideal. But If he's the Drake London clone, then should, should his nickname be like Ontario? No. No, don't, no. You are reaching so far for that joke, sir. Am I? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, let's get to the other news. The one that we really have lots of things to discuss. Not that we're just brushing off the Drake London stuff. It's just, it's sad. It's sad for whole... SC. And there's yeah. plenty of questions in the mailbag about it as well. So we'll get to that a little bit more. Uh, but let's talk about Clay Helton. He has a new job. He is the head coach over at Georgia Southern, uh, the Eagles. This makes no sense to me, at least. <laughs> Try to make some sense of it to me. Okay. The thing that makes sense about this is that Georgia Southern has a vacancy, and Clay Helton is an available head coach who can get hired on November 2nd. Uh, yes. Which is a recruiting makes advantage. Sense. Makes sense. Yes. Um, number two, from a Clay Helton perspective, uh, and, and if you're Georgia Southern, you get to put out a press release that says that this is you're hiring a Rose Bowl winner who's produced NFL draft picks, blah, yes, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. Although their assertion that he's only offensive mind is questionable. Um, He'll, he pr- probably will be able to recruit as a, a Rose Bowl winner. You bring that ring everywhere. Mm-hmm. On, and we already know that he's a guy who connects very deeply with players and their families. So yeah. he will recruit well there yeah. relative to Georgia Southern. Um from a Clay Hilton perspective, it's I would not be surprised if he was attracted to the idea of coaching in Georgia in in the going back to the South, you know, getting getting back into that uh, sort of down home feel. Um, I I so understand that. Maybe? I, just, uh, I mean, there are more. You have Georgia, more reasons. Georgia for Southern why is this like in the work. middle of nowhere. A B doesn't Clay Hilton. Strike you as the kind of person who would do well in the small town, middle of nowhere? No, yes. I just don't know that Georgia Southern is the place. Because here's the thing. Georgia Southern is a school who gets a lot out of their players, historically. Um, You know, they beat Florida a few years ago without throwing a pass. Um, They were an FCS school that recently promoted up to FBS. Uh, They're a triple option school, because they have to be. Um... They make the hire with Clay Helton. And they say that they're not. Ex- they were not exclusively looking for triple option coaches, and anyone can come in and implement any offense. But here's why I don't like this for Clay Helton for multiple reasons. Number one, now you're in, you're inheriting a triple option offense that is not going to match with what you want to do, and so yeah, like you know, you you can you can pick on the idea of. You know, Georgia Southern calling him a great offensive mind, but the reality is he's going to bring a a power five playbook to the um, to the to, to Georgia Southern. 
but it's one that doesn't jive with what the with the players that they have. They're the players that they've recruited because they were a triple option team. It's going to take a year or two or three or four to get his guys in there. And so that's that learning curve, I think, is not a learning curve you want to take on when you're someone like Clay Helton who, f- for his career, I think what he needs is a landing spot that is going to rehabilitate his coaching career. And I don't think this is how you do it. Uh, and then you add on to the fact that accepting this job at the beginning of November, a month and a half early, doesn't make any sense to me. Because we talked about it before, like, where does he need to go? He probably needs to go to a G5 school that has some upward mobility, somewhere that can that can overachieve, that can have, have some, you know, advantages within its conference. We've talked about it before, Fresno State, Memphis. Well, SMU is one of those, those teams. SMU has Sonny Dykes as its head coach, and the two jobs that are open besides USC and LSU right now are Washington State and Texas Tech, two schools who should have Sonny Dykes as number one on their list. Why are you not, and you're, you're Clay Elton, someone who has ties to the Houston area. I know Dallas is not Houston, obviously. Uh, six hours away, I get that part. Sure, hell but of a lot closer than Georgia. <laughs> it's a lot closer than Georgia, right? Like, and you know it's back. It's in in uh, it's in a big city. Like I, I think that like that would be a, a spot that I think that if you're Clay Helton, you could go and kind of you know build on what Sonny Dykes is building on or, or whatever. And not that not that he definitely would get the job, right? But like those are the types of jobs that I think that if you're Clay Helton, you should have been looking at Georgia as, Southern as throwing your hat in the ring. Georgia Southern wasn't going to rescind their job offer if he waited until December to no. make that choice. And, no. and if and they I think hire somebody what, else because they want somebody sooner, that's fine. Wait and find something there better will or be if something not else. take a sabbatical. Like yeah, I, and I think that's this what, wasn't the job to, I think to that's shoot your what, shot with early. I think that's what you're getting at. Is It feels like he's shooting a shot very early yes. without seeing what the landscape is going to look like on December 5th. Uh, and and that's you know SMU could have come open. There are a lot of teams that could, could that could have come open. That uh, that that not just G five schools. There could have been Power Five opportunities out there uh, for him to get a look at. And it feels strange that he didn't at least see what those opportunities were yeah. because they are out there. And and you never know by the end of the season who will be available and who will look at you and say, and like, no, we want that Roseville winning head coach who produced all those NFL draft picks. And I know that USC fans who are listening right now are rolling their eyes and saying like, you know, Clay Hilton would be a terrible hire for anybody. I think that his resume speaks very strongly to him as a hire at, at one of these schools, if only just because he inspired an, a ridiculous degree of loyalty from his players. And I don't think that that kind of skill grows on trees. Does he have schematic issues? Does he have, you know, is 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 he uh, maybe too much of a pushover? All those things. Yes, there's a reason why he got fired from USC. But he has the people person sort of element to it that not all head coaches have. And so there right. is there is value to that. And I think there potentially were some bigger opportunities than $800,000 a year to coach uh, 
Georgia Southern. Not that I would yeah, ever scoff but, at eight hundred thousand dollars a year, but you know he was making four million at USC. But, so. but even to me, it's not about the how much he's going to make because well, it's all one package though. He's, like, he's offsetting you know a little bit with the with the buyout from SC and whatnot. But I I look at it as you know there's there were opportunities that were going to be there. You would assume. Whether or not that he would get those jobs is a different story, but I think that you, you could he could have been a, a he could have at least gotten interviews for P five coordinator jobs. I don't know, maybe Washington State gives him an interview. Like I don't think they should hire yeah. him, but like you know what I mean. Like there are a lot of those kind of you just walk in the door. Crazier things have happened, and you know right? what, Clay Helton can win an interview. We know this. Like sure. so, it's it's. But, I mean, here's the way I think this probably played out, and I don't have any inside info on this or anything like that, but I suspect that Helton gets fired in week two. He starts having conversations with schools that are interested. I bet he just, maybe he and the AD hit it off. Maybe he just decided, you know what, I feel really, maybe he had that experience that, like, a high school senior or junior doing their college tours you walk on a campus and you just sort of know, like, you know, I, I feel comfortable here. I feel good about this. I think that's probably what happened. I, and if and if that's the case, then you know what? Clay's going to do what he's going to do. And and I don't I mean, begrudge more, him that. More but power to him. But I just it just it, it does strike me as strange. I just don't think that this is, this is a job for career rehabilitation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it'd be a different story if he was 20 years older and then took this job as like a retirement gig. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like. That would make more sense to me than taking this, like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he just wants to slow it down and just be be a coach in, in, in his own bubble and more power to him if that's what he wants. So I I, I think I, that's genuinely what he wants. Good for him. Yeah. We told you he was going to get a job. Like, I, you know, he was going to get a job. There was no way he was not going to get a job. Yeah, I, I just wonder. And I think it makes more sense for him to be a head coach than a coordinator, than a Power 5 coordinator or something like that. He was a better head coach than he ever was an OC. I agree with that, in part because we never saw him get to be a true offensive coordinator. He was hired as a quarterback's coach and uh, got promoted as a offensive coordinator in name only a couple of times. So, yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, speaking of Jimmy Sex and Clients, let's talk about... Um, coaching stuff around the country. James Franklin, uh, these are coaching developments of USC candidates. Uh, James Franklin has lost three in a row at Penn State, but they gave Ohio State a game, uh, and he has hired Jimmy Sexton as his new agent. In the middle of the season, caused a lot of waves. Uh, we don't know if this is just the kind of thing that happens all the time and people don't know about it because they're not major national coaching search people. Uh, but uh, but it certainly made some waves. And uh, and yeah, I mean, Penn State is Penn State. As I've said over and over with James Franklin, he's a good head coach. His team challenged an Ohio State team that I'm not 100% convinced by, but still a good team and uh, still lost. So James Franklin could end up being 7-5 this season. And I, I will continue to say what I've said the whole time. Like Penn State fans are not are not all together on the James Franklin train. And to me, that's a red flag that uh, I wouldn't mess with. But that's just me. Yeah, I, I, it's something to worry about for sure. Uh, Luke Fickle, uh, his Cincinnati Bearcats are still undefeated. Uh, they struggled the last two weeks against Navy and Temple, but still undefeated. Uh, and they have fallen, 
I say fallen. You can't fall in the first I know you can't fall, but you might as well have to number six in the first ranking of the college football playoff poll. And I I think there was a it was a good point, but it was a Brady McCullough that that put out on Twitter that if they're at six now, that just like it dooms them going forward. If if they're already gonna be behind these other teams, they're never getting ahead of them because they've already got the win over Notre Dame on, on their schedule, and there's other teams that don't have the resume that Cincinnati does. So I, if they're not ahead of them now, they're not going to be ahead of them later, uh, and it's kind of asinine um, at this point. I understand that the first rankings don't matter, but I they think matter. in Cincinnati's case, it's a different story. The first rankings matter because they set the stage. Yeah, sure. Just like preseason rankings. They don't. say they throw them out every week, but but you can only do that insofar as yeah. I mean, you, you, you say you're it. you are you are setting the criteria. You're setting a starting point for the criteria. You might throw them out every week, but you know you can't actually wipe your brain with bleach. Like you, you have a set, you have a ranking that you're probably just going to be tweaking as opposed to throw it out and start from scratch every week. Uh, which is why the um, the preseason rankings don't matter, but they kind of do because they also set the stage. So you know, there's a reason why a team like Wake Forest doesn't get uh, the the same kind of um, cachet to their undefeated record that someone like Clemson would have got, or you know, someone like North Carolina would have got in the same uh, in the same conference. Because they were the teams that was on everyone's radar, and Wake Forest wasn't on the radar, so it's taking them longer to climb up that that you know climb up that hill. So for for Cincy, it it does bode very poorly. Uh, I understand why Cincinnati is not in that top four. Um, I have two thoughts. My first thought is, if you're going to tell me that Cincinnati can't be in that top four because they struggled against Temple and Navy, then you clearly have not watched a moment of Oregon football outside of that game against Ohio State because Oregon has not looked like a top five team since they beat Ohio State. And we're talking about a Pac-12 that has a losing record again, not just a losing record, no Pac-12 team has beaten BYU yet. Uh, So, you know, this is not a strong Pac-12 slate, I would say. And Oregon is very, very, very much struggling through it, including suffering a loss. So, you know, there was this whole debate about Oregon being ahead of Ohio State because of the head-to-head. That's fine. But Oregon has not looked the part for a month now, struggling against, you know, teams like Colorado and UCLA and Cal and Stanford, who are all mediocre at best, I think. Yeah. Uh, it just it just doesn't track. Uh, the my second thought on this is is simply that Cincinnati is is proof positive that the the system is messed up. A fourteen playoff was always going to benefit the Power Five over the Group of Five. Realistically, there are fifty teams, if that, yeah. who have a chance of of if they go undefeated, will they play for the national title? Only 50 teams or so can say that. Everybody else in a 130-team division can go undefeated and still be left out of the championship race. That means that you don't have these, like, split into a Power 5 and Group of 5 division or expand the playoff. What we have now, it's tedious to even talk about. Cincinnati is that uh, that Geico commercial with the guy with the dollar 
on the on the um with the uh fishing pole just like oh you're gonna get it oh and just cincinnati um ucf uh, name name a name a group of five team they do it every year it does they change the names it doesn't matter boise state everything oh you're gonna get it it's right there keep jumping keep jumping i'm just gonna keep raising it higher and higher so you can't grab it it's it's tedious yeah, and it's I, stupid i'm okay like I, i'm okay with the g5 schools not getting in because i think genuinely generally um the power five schools if we're talking about the best four are gonna be the best four um, however, um, a situation like this, where, cause my argument always is if a, if a G5 has the resume, then put them in there and they usually don't. And so there's your out Cincinnati at this point has the resume. I'm sorry. They do. This is the equivalent of, uh, and we're going to talk about soccer right now. This is the equivalent of the EPL, including the championship, the lower division, in their season games, but then telling the best team in the championship that they can't win the title, regardless of how many games they win, regardless of, of anything like that, because, because reasons like, okay, well then that the, they're in a different division then like they're in a div- different division. It's just, yeah. Well, that's the thing. You can only win the championship if you're in the second division. At that point. Yeah, exactly. There yeah. You go. More, you know, uh, Dave Aranda has Baylor chugging along at 7-1. and one. They're ranked 12th in the CFP, looking good for the second-year head coach over in Waco. I think Aranda's doing a hell of a job. Um, yep. Ideally, USC would get a look at him a year or two down the line, but he's doing a hell of a job, and he makes a lot of sense for me as a candidate. 100%. Uh, Matt Campbell doing that Matt Campbell thing. When's the big games? The, it's the little ones that slip through his through his fingertips. Uh, they lose to Virginia and the Iowa State. Uh, Cyclones are five and three. I, I'm i going to save this take for, uh, you know, when we do our rankings of the candidates that we keep talking about. Um, I have a take about Matt Campbell and James Franklin and how I think they are polar opposites. Um, and take that for what you will. I will explain it at a later date. Well, but 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 be ready for they it. Bo- they both have three losses, and um, yeah, some red flags there. But yeah, PJ Fleck uh, just signed a seven-year extension uh, with Minnesota. Skyuma, uh, what's the row the boat? Yeah, yeah row the, I I think that uh, Brady McCullough quote tweeted the extension announcement it was like you can effectively take him out of the running for USC after this. Yeah. Not happening, which to me is a good thing because I, I don't think he would have worked at USC. Yeah, I can't see him going back on this extension. By the way, really hot take, a really hot take mm-hmm. for entertainment purposes only. I'd put a fiver on uh, Clay Helton taking another job next month. That, w- <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought about like, that. Like, I don't think PJ Flex is going to go back Didn't on this Clay thing. Clay do that? He did that as an offensive coordinator yes, when he, he came did. to USC. So when he left Memphis after the 2009 uh, season, quarterbacks coach. He left Memphis. He went to Arkansas State as the offensive coordinator, and then Lane Kiffin got hired at SC and went and poached him. Yeah, he he Cliff Kingsburyed him. Yeah, out of out of uh, Arkansas State. So that would it, be pretty it's funny. It's happened before. I was going to say, it doesn't feel like a Clay Hilton move, but it literally is. So Right. So, Who knows? Yeah. 
Uh, Mel Tucker, uh, big win over Michigan, over at Michigan State. Uh, the Spartans are third in the college football uh, playoff rankings. And if let me he's not you. high on your list, he should be. Let me tell you, I would have taken Mel Tucker when he was at Colorado. If if USC's job had come open when he was still at Colorado, I would have said, go get that guy. He's the real deal. He's proven he's the real deal at Michigan State. If USC has an opportunity or an opening to get Mel Tucker, they should do everything possible to get him. However, my stance on this remains. Michigan State is not going to let that man walk away. No way in hell. I find Mel Tucker so interesting because if you're Michigan State, how do you let him go? Um, If you get into a bidding war with Michigan State, I would like SC to win that battle. Even still, I think, you know what I mean? Like, you would think SC could still win it, should. Uh, However, does Mel Tucker, does he feel like an NFL guy to you? He feels like an NFL guy to me, yes. He feels like... Lots of NFL experience as a DC. He's going to get, he's probably going to have another year at Michigan State. And then he's going to have, if not this coming year, he's going to have serious chatter around him. At, for uh, for NFL head coaching positions, yes, yes, hundred percent. Um, all right, let's get. But in. just 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 a note on Mel Tucker. He was born in Cleveland, Ohio. He went to Wisconsin. He's a Big Ten dude. So just saying. Yeah, he's coached at Alabama and Georgia. Saban tree, sort of. Yeah. All right, uh, that wraps up the little news segment. Uh, let's get to talk about USC and Arizona State as uh, we go through our overrun. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right, Alicia. Here as we got into the second half of the season. We've talked about this before. Our game previews are really just us doing over under and using it as a game preview. Because we know people are more excited about the coaching search. More excited about other things than uh, in-depth game previews. So this is over under, but it's still a game preview slightly. Uh, let's talk about SC and Arizona State locking horns, uh, 7.30 p.m. in Tempe. Um, I won't be there. First time in a while that I won't go to an SC-Arizona State game. It's a bummer. But uh, alas, um, you are looking for another big week of over-under. You kicked my ass last week. You went 5-1. and one. I really did. Completely cheated. No, I just picked you, well. You cheated. I picked. I I was smart in the way that I picked. <laughs> I prefer the term cheated. Uh, two people were 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 really good last week. You and uh, Steve Shad. Good job, Steve. Yeah, five you and, and me. one. You and me. Yeah, no one else got close. Uh, for the year, you are doing pretty, 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 pretty well at twenty-seven and twenty-one in picks. Uh, four games ahead of me. I'm. 23 and 25. Last week really was a uh, deciding point for both of us. Uh, you currently sit fifth in the rankings of the over-under game that we are playing. Uh, and it is still in first place, Adam and Clinton Pittsburgh. Adam and Clinton Pittsburgh. Y'all are just Taking rocking it. Away. it. Yeah. yeah. A record of 31 and 17. In second is D-Set. At uh, 29 and 19. And then tied for third. We got Dave in Orange County and Tofu uh, Garcia at 28 and 20. One game ahead of you, who are 
uh, is in fifth place. Hey, the robots are making good choices. Yeah, and you're in fifth place with a tie with a bunch of people, uh, including uh, Buddy Steve from the Bay Area, Carrie in Chicago, PJ the Swimmer, Randy in Redlands, all tied for fifth. Mm-hmm. All right, SC and ASU. Uh, the Sun Devils coming off of two losses uh, on the bounce. Um, they got- I know we're not previewing ASU. I know. Can I just have a little ASU rant? I don't know what they are. What are they? And also, like... <sighs> I thought I knew ASU, and no. these last two weeks have really confused me. ASU is... <sighs> ASU is typical Herm Edwards right now. No, I don't think that. In the, no, in the sense, all. in like, the sense I, that like they're sort of okay, but also they're they they just fall flat on their face when they really need to. Like, I just we don't know what they are. They are. Do you judge ASU based on sort of ASU ness, or are you expecting Herm Edwards to put up finally? And he's not. And with the specter of uh, of NCAA violations hanging over, like, I just don't know what, I don't know what Herm Edwards, what the end game is with him. You know what it is for me? A decade ago, I love to make the comparison. And this is me as someone who doesn't watch a lot of basketball. So take in mind, this might be an ignorant take. I always thought of Dwight Howard versus... Uh, Andrew Bynum. And why, if you're the Lakers, do you want to get rid of Bynum and go to Dwight Howard? And to me, the argument was Dwight Howard is going to be, I think Bynum had a higher ceiling, but was going to be up and down, up and down. He was going to have great, amazing games and then really bad games. Great games, bad games. Whereas Dwight Howard was just always going to be good, right? At the time. At the time. And so... To me, ASU has been Dwight Howard the last few years under Herm Edwards. You know what you're going to get. They're going to keep play every game within like three points. They're going to be well-managed from a game perspective. Um, and you know what you're going to get. They're going to be a team that uh, is limited, I think, on the top end. I don't know that they're, they've ever been as good as people say that they are. But they're going to make everyone earn every damn second against them. And to the point where, yeah, every game is going to be a dog fight in the fourth quarter. And they're going to win their fair share of those. And they're going to be a good 8-4 and four team uh, and be well coached. Um, even though we never expected that to say that about ASU uh, going into the Herm Edwards experience. But that's what it ended up being. But the- and then you look at this year. Yeah, they're... you look at this year and they're doing things that they've never done, which is blowout opponents and losing blowouts. And I don't get it anymore. Uh, they blew out Colorado 35-13. I get that Colorado is not good, but like even ASU under Herm Edwards the last few years was not doing that. Uh, they they beat UCLA 42 to 23. A very decisive big win. They beat Stanford 28 to 10. And at that point, early on in October, you're like, this is the best team in the Pac-12 South. Surely mm-hmm. they are. They're winning games by th- by three scores. This is them. This is it. And then all of a sudden, back-to-back, two touchdown losses on the road at Utah, and then at home to Washington State, a Washington State team coming off of 
you know, getting out of their their head coach with with uh, Nick Rolovich getting taken away. I just I I think that in an era when USC has not been the runaway winner of the Pac-12 South, ASU letting Utah be the one that steps in this year and UCLA too. You just look at them and you and you think like, what even is the point of of you playing football right now? Like Kyle Whittingham continues to prove what a quality coach he is, while these other programs that really should have the resources to just to 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 take hold of the South just drop the ball every year. It's like I don't I don't know. You're gonna have USC might stay down if they make the wrong hire, but like, are you gonna have these opportunities? In a couple of years, if USC makes the right hire, it, you're just going to be kicking yourself for not taking advantage here. Yeah, and they go from five and three—I mean, sorry, five and one—and fully in control of the South because their only loss was to BYU at a conference. To now suddenly being way back on the back foot, uh, a game back of Utah, but Utah has the tiebreaker. Utah basically has the Pac-12 South completely in the driver's seat because they've beaten everybody else. Yeah, but they're four and zero at home and one and three on the road, and their next two games are on the road to Stanford and Arizona, and then they get Oregon. So, like, I don't even know. I don't even know sure. what's going to happen with uh, with with Utah. Who who? No one knows what's going on in the Pac-12. It's a weird. Co- it's a weird year for the conference. But let's get into these the yeah. over unders instead let's, of let's previewing the, a game we said we weren't going to preview. <laughs> yes. Uh, SC. Uh, the, the sad part is you, you say all these things about ASU. And then you look at SC, a team that struggled to beat a team that hasn't won two years in Arizona last week, uh, has not well, put together oh, a solid game, a solid 60 minutes all season. When I criticize ASU, that is not to lift up USC because USC has no has even less excuse than ASU or UCLA or anybody else for not taking hold of the South. Yeah. Uh, what's your first over-under? What do you got? All right. I've got 7.5 catches for Taj Washington. He had a career high of eight against Arizona. He's probably in line to potentially become the featured receiver in this offense uh, with Drake London out. But uh, but at the same time, we don't know who's going to step up and be the go-to guy. There might not be a go-to guy. So uh, will he get back to that career high? Will he set a new career high? I don't know. We'll see. That's my over-under, 7.5. I like the idea of going with, with the over. Um, but I'm not going to. I'm going to take the under. I kind of like Gary Bryant to be that guy. I, I want to see more of Gary Bryant Jr. And I know that that Taj Washington has had more targets than, than Gary Bryant Jr., but I want to see GB get some more and see what can happen there. He, he had a couple of big catches deep downfield on Saturday. He seems to be more of the deep guy than, than Taj Washington, which makes me think that Todd Washington might just be the better bet, but I'm a gambler. You're going for it. I mean, and that's and now that you've locked in your under, I do think that Todd Washington is the guy who could get the volume catches, even sure. if Gary Bryan Jr. has more yards. I, I could see that. I, I could see that. I, I also think that I wouldn't be sh- surprised if you saw a heavy dose of, of Ingram and they didn't throw nearly as much as you'd mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Uh, my first over under is 174.5 combined penalty yards. Yikes. Yes. SC and ASU are 125th and 126th in penalty yardage, respectively. 
averaging 81.1 and 82.9 yards per game, respectively. Uh, Together, do the math on that one, 163 yards per game these two teams average. Uh, The line is at 174.5, though. Uh, That's because SC and ASU have each had three games of 100-plus yards. A couple weeks ago at Utah, ASU had 13 for 115. So will they both collectively, as a unit combined, go above their averages to to hit 174.5 combined penalty yards? This is diabolical. Oh, I know. This over-under is diabolical. I don't think you've set a line that makes me more anxious than this one. Oh, good. I like it. I, like, my instinct is screaming at me to take the under because, like, just an over-under that's set set that high, just take the under and and play the odds because this could be the game that, uh, that, that things slow down on. But it's Pac-12. It's Pac-12 refs. I knew who the. I wish I knew who the ref was. Like I'm, I'm scrambling to see if, if is it in the game notes or something like that. I don't think the they announced is. the refs until like day up. Either way, they're Pac-12 Jeez, refs. Pac-12. Fine, I'll go over. But you know I don't, you want I don't to. Like Good. It. Good. I'm going over. I just. Ugh. Mm. Road to the comeback is I, on, I'm, folks. I'm not happy about it. <laughs> All right. What's your next one? Okay, we are going 356.5 passing yards for USC. So, ASU gave up 356 passing yards to Stanford. They are the only team that passed for more than 300 yards all season against this ASU defense. USC has only crossed that 356-yard mark twice in 2021. Now, I'm saying combined passing yards... Either uh, it's it's Keaton Slovis plus Jackson Dart plus whoever else plays at quarterback in this game. Right. Will USC top out as the season high for ASU in terms of passing yards given up? No, under. This is an easy under. SC didn't have 356 last week. And look look how breezy they were in the passing game, especially early on. No, under. Yeah, Big yeah. under. They also were running out the clock in the second half. But, yeah, but they had Drake London for half of that game. They're yeah. not going to have Drake London for any of this game. Yeah, that's true. Big under. Okay. Big under. I'm you put that under. line very high. Yeah. Very high. Yeah. Give me the under there. Uh, my next one. It's also USC at ASU. So, sure. You know, I mean, it, USC it has a way of, of, of just exceeding all expectations when they go to Tempe. So I, knows. Th- this, is, this is fair, too. Yeah. Uh, next one, over under 24 and a half USC first downs. The Trojans average 26.3 per game, which is tops in the Pac-12 and fifth in FBS. Would you have guessed that? Yes, because I there's know that all I, sorts I, of empty calories in this offense. No, okay. I know that SC gets a lot of empty calorie yards, but it never feels like they're methodical enough to like lead the world in first downs like they almost are. Crazy. Uh, 35 last week, which was USC's most since... 35 against Idaho in 2015. They also had 37 back in 2014 against Stanford. Um, 32 against Oregon State. Uh, SC had, but this line is only at 24.5, and that's because ASU allows 19.8. Utah had the most on them this season at 29, uh, and the only team to go more than 23. So can USC also go more than 23? 
24.5 first downs for USC over under. Hmm. 24. 24.5 first downs. I am going to go. And these are college inflated numbers, so it includes penalties and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, which could be a factor. Yeah. This is rough. I think I'm going to take the under. Uh, I think that if Gary Bryant Jr. is more involved, I think USC's going to try to be a bit more explosive. So first downs may not be as, it might not be as methodical. If they go with the running game, I, maybe it will be, but I'm, I'm just shot in the dark. I'm just going under because I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I respect it. I respect it. What do you got next? All right, we're on 1.5 USC turnovers. Uh, ASU leads the Pac-12 with 11 interceptions. They do pick off the ball. USC hasn't had a game without a turnover. We've talked about this before, but they've only had multiple turnovers in games three times this season. So we're looking at a multi-turnover game for USC, or will they limit them? One and a half. Give me the under. I don't think SC throws the ball as much as they as they have been. Okay. Now, now, if Dart's going to play and Slovis is going to play, and I think that both the guys are probably going to end up potentially pressing because they're, they're going to feel the the heat needing to compete against each other. And if you're if you're Dart, that might make him extra gunslingery. Uh, and if you're Slovis, that might make, make you extra aggressive. So I I could see it, uh, but I think they're going to run the ball a little bit more, and uh, which means certainly they could fumble. But I'll take the under here. All right. Okay, last one. 99.5 rushing yards for Keontae Ingram. Now, this line might feel weird because he's coming off of two weeks in which he's had 138 at Notre Dame and 204 against Arizona, and he's now third in the Pac-12 with 761 yards. Well, why is the line only 99.5? It's because ASU has not allowed a 100-yard rusher this year. Utah's Tavion Thomas and Zach Charbonnet uh, have gotten 84 and 89. They got somewhat close, but could not crack that mark. Uh, the Sun Devils are second in the Pac-12 uh, in yards per carry allowed at 3.7, but fifth in yardage at 134.75. But what's that mean for Keontae Ingram? Can he get to 100 yards for the third straight game? I love me some Keontae Ingram. That That's a big under for me. Under, you're taking the under here. Yeah, I think that ASU is going to be prepared for USC to try and run the ball because they don't have Drake London. I don't trust Graham Harrell to stick with the run, even if that's the game plan going in. They, this is going to be an under. I've got, I've got under all the way. Seriously, lock it. I thought I was gifting you this one. Lock it in. That's an under. Oh, I will take the the over then. Thank you. (laughs) Seriously. Seriously. Yeah. Oh, I thought this was a lock of an over. No, I'm big, big under. Lock of the week, under. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Let's get to uh, game predictions. Um, Vegas has the line at eight and a half um, currently uh, in the uh, win bet over at the win casino. Uh, Alicia, what do you got? I struggle with this one because USC does always seem to exceed expectations when they go to Tempe recently. USC has been better on the road 
this year and then at home. ASU is a team that I don't put a lot of stock in. I put less stock in USC. So I'm going at ASU 25, USC 21. 25, 21, so USC covers. Yes. All right. All right. I am. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I don't think there's been a tougher game to predict than this one. Because I don't know what to expect. If you would have told me two weeks ago to do this, three weeks ago, uh, before the Utah uh, game in which ASU got semi-boat raced there at Rice-Eccles, I would have sat here and said that SC's going to lose this thing by three, four touchdowns. On the road, big? Yeah. Given. Lock it up. Now I don't quite know that, but that's mostly based on ASU. It's not based on SC. This is an SC team that struggled to beat Arizona. They got outscored in the second half against Arizona without Drake London. How much of that was going too conservative? How how much of that was the two quarterback shuffle? Like, how much of that was just not having a game plan for being without Drake London? I don't know. Uh, I do expect SC to do that thing with when you expect them to be bad, they're not bad, and when you expect them to um. To, to be down and out without a guy that they, they tend to rally. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was some Ewing theory here where SC improved without Drake London, maybe because everyone felt like they needed to pull their weight or whatever. But does that talk me into an SC win? Not quite. Uh, ASU, let's say, wins this one 31-28. All right. I don't think USC is going to score 28 on ASU, but that's just me. That's fair. Maybe there's a big six. There's steel. Pick six. Hmm. My prediction. All right. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff in the mailbag, so let's get to it. You've got mail. All right. Let's start with a voicemail we got from Dave in Orange County. This came during the game on Saturday. USC's win. Uh, over the Arizona Wildcats. Here's what Dave had to say. Ray and Troy Radio, what's up? This Dave from Orange County. I just think a big shout-out to Drake London. Looks like maybe his uh, season, if not career, is done uh, with that uh, ugly, ugly uh, injury. It just you, you hate to see it. I mean, there's still one one beacon of the season was watching Drake uh, do his thing. He was having an amazing game, and, you know, it's uh, – Awesome that he got that touchdown. You know, it was fine. It was cool to see him finally get into the end zone a couple of times with all the receptions and yards that he's been picking up. But geez, man, I just just hate to see that. And you know, this is if it is uh, the end of his USC career. I just want to say it was a pleasure watching you, my man. You were awesome, and uh, definitely uh, want more more players like you in in the future. You know, fight on, my man. Yeah, perfectly said, Dave. I think you 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 put it perfectly. Like it was it was a pleasure being able to watch him these last uh, couple of seasons. It's a bummer that two straight years, which he's only played a half season essentially, uh, because of the COVID season, because of uh, because of this, he had a ton of catches and yet left a ton uncaught. Uh, to, to put it one way. Um, because of the the nature of what happened with the landscape of football, um, with, with COVID and then and then his injury, it, it is it is a bummer. Put him on the list of USC's all time what if kind of players, um, especially if he 
presumably does not win the Blitnikoff now. Yeah, um, to to Dave's point, there's a there's a chant in uh, in English soccer that's uh, to the tune of "Yellow Submarine," and uh, Liverpool sang it for a guy named uh, Flanagan. But it was, uh, or they said, sang it more recently for Flanagan. They started it for Carragher. But it's, you know, we all dream of a team of Kerrigans, a team of Kerrigans, a team of Kerrigans, or Flanagan or whatever. Like, that's the song that I apply. I think I mentioned that before on the podcast. That's the song that I apply to guys like Drake London, where if you had a team, if you had 11 players on the field with Drake London's heart, you wouldn't lose many games. If you had a, a team of 11 players on the field with his fire, with his passion, you wouldn't lose many games. Add in his immense physical talent and ability, and you just get a player that's just on a whole other level. So, um, yeah, if USC had a team of Drake London's, they would not be in this situation. I don't know. I think it's a little disrespectful to use a Liverpool chant when talking about <laughs> London. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. This is a different place, okay? <laughs> different place. Uh, all right. Uh, Cameron from Frisco, Texas, uh, had this to say. Hey, Randy Troy. Cameron from Frisco, Texas. We got the news yesterday that Drake Lund is out for the season with a fractured ankle. Just want to ask you, is there anything positive to come out of this injury with Drake London or with this offense in general with him being gone and basically the focal point of the offense being around him? Is there anything positive we can see that we can get out of this, whether it be from the quarterback situation or whether it be from the tight ends, the wide, other wide receivers, or the running back running game? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Fight out. Uh, beat the Sun Devils, I think, because, well, who cares about this season? The season is a complete and utter waste of time and a complete utter garbage. So, fight out. Thanks for the call, Cameron. I'm interested in this, too. I, I want to know what changes uh, and what benefits there could be, because someone's going to benefit um, in terms some receiver is going to benefit by catching more balls. Is that going to be Washington? Is it going to be Brian? Is it going to be both? Is it going to be somebody else? Um, I think one of the things that we'll be able to see so much of the critique um, for Keaton Slovis has been, oh, he he looks at Drake London too much, which is ironic because sometimes it's like, well, maybe he should have liked Drake London that play or, or whatnot. But you will not have that critique anymore. Fair or not, it will not be there. So here you go, uh, Keaton Slovis. Here you go, Jackson Dart. Um, you can't stare down Drake London. How does that is a challenge that you can you can take from, and if it was truly a critique that was legitimate, then it should be something that USC's quarterback should benefit from. Even though I would argue that it definitely hurts not having Drake London take away, you know, some bodies from other receivers on the field and some coverage. Yeah, there's. Uh, I struggle to see a positive. I really do. Um, I think. I think. The the positive could ultimately be somebody just stepping up. That somebody could be Taj Washington. Yeah. It could be Joseph Manjack. It could be I, I don't know who it is. Somebody could step up. Uh, maybe the positive is uh, AIR raid. Keontae Ingram gets every carry, and suddenly USC's it's, run it's game Ingram, is yeah. is the is the answer to everything. Um, do I believe that those things will ultimately be positives enough to overcome the Drake London thing? No, but. There's something. Silver linings. Two years ago, we said November 2019 was USC's best offense. Yeah. Because all the running backs got hurt and forced them to be an air raid. 
And they were incredible that month in terms of offensive identity Mm -hmm. and potency. What if the inverse happens? Yeah, but that team was set up to be a pass-heavy team. No, I, I do not I think agree. this like, team is set up to be a run-heavy no, team. No, I don't think so either. But what if? But I'd rather them just... But the, it, this offense has been better when the run works, doesn't it? Yeah, not? yeah. And the run has been better this year than previous years. Yeah, I'd, I, I would love to see the run it would be funny. take off. It would be amazing. Yeah. I would not bet on it. No, I wouldn't either. Uh, Slack message from Josh in Buckeye Country. Would you rather have the W and lose London or keep Drake and get the L against Arizona? What do you think SC fans would pick? Okay, I have a really easy answer for this. I would much rather get the L and keep Drake. I Again, I, ca- I came through. I Wins and losses are irrelevant to me to, for a large degree this year. The only thing I was rooting for was a, a Bolitnikoff for Drake London. Maybe even get him to New York for the Heisman ceremony. That's gone now. I would have. I would have taken that. Yeah, you never want to say that you want someone to yeah. get hurt. Uh, so th- that's a difficult one. I-, I think SC definitely needs the win. They needed that win against Arizona for bull eligibility. So you don't really want to give that one up. Uh, but yeah, that that is it's a difficult choice, and I think one that many fans would absolutely uh, take the L to uh, to keep Drake London there. Uh, let's go to a voicemail we got from Scott in Memphis. Hey, guys. Uh, Scott from Memphis. Uh, just uh, wanted to get a shout-out, um, like everyone else, Trojan fans. Uh, horrible what happened to Drake London. Just hope he gets to fully recovered, get into the NFL, and have a wonderful career. Because I'm assuming, obviously, he won't be back before the season. He needs to go on and go up to the next level, because he was playing at the next level on that field. My comment about USC Arizona is that the defense is the the biggest flaw and the worst example of defense I've ever seen for USC. That's the biggest problem on that team. Offense, of course, is bad at times, but the defense is just atrocious. And – Let's hope uh, we get a better coach and we get these things solved because it's going to be a complete and total rebuild. So hope this finds y'all well and look forward to hearing from you. Take care. Oh, thanks for the call, Scott. Uh, yeah, I I can't disagree. Um, I have been relatively soft on the defense uh, over the recent years. This defense is just flat out bad. Um, there's there's very few redeeming qualities. And I think the difference is in, in past seasons, they've had their Drake London. They've had, you know, Talano Hafanga, or they've had, you know, the guy who was just miles better than everyone else who just stood out. And I think this year I would have liked for Drake Jackson to be that guy. I, I don't know that he's been that guy for USC. Maybe it's a tougher position for him to be in. But uh, it's it it's pain watching this defense, and uh, it's pain watching this offense. So the whole thing is just not good, but... This team would be a lot better equipped having a mediocre offense with a mediocre defense than a mediocre offense with a bad defense, which is is really what the issue has been. Yeah, I, I think it's easy um, right now to uh, not be overly critical of the defense in the podcast that we're doing. Uh, and that's not because I am defending the defense. It's mostly because what is there to say at this point? Uh, the defense has just not been good. 
they were supposed to be the bright side of the ball going into the season. I know without Ufanga, it, it was going to be difficult, but they were supposed to be the anchor. The and, team and was they are not. The, they are the, the anchor in the opposite way that the, you want to use that word. The whole was supposed to be greater than the sum of its parts yes. this year. Where in the past, the 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 they had just sort of one talisman, and the rest were like meh. Yeah. Everyone's taking a step back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, let's go to a voicemail we got from Dan in Valley Village. Hey, Michael. Hey, Alicia. It's Dan in Valley Village. I just was uh, listening to the uh, the uh, car cast, and I couldn't agree more. This team was so confusing last night. It was so confusing. The Jackson dart and the, the King Slovis switch, and Jackson maybe being okay and maybe not. And then the team looking good sometimes and then not. I mean, granted, that's the team this season. But it was just so confusing and so frustrating. Uh, but I think one of the saddest things that came into play is like when towards the third and fourth, I just became apathetic. And I'm like, ah, well, I guess we'll see how this goes. I could easily see us losing, uh, which really sucks. Anyway, um, I am still celebrating the win, nonetheless. Uh, fight on. Uh, thanks for everything. Thanks for the call, Dan. I, I think you summed it up perfectly. It's That's what games are right now. Um, the Washington State game was one that I think you could absolutely just be in lockstep with, with feeling good about SC at the end of it, uh, especially since that came off of the Clay Helton hires. I think spirits were high for that in, in general about this team. But everything since then has been up and down and up and down and and the ups aren't really that up and the and the downs are really down and I I don't know what to make of most things and the sad part is there's another month of that um and it's going to be hard to sort of make anything out of anything and mind you these are two games where SC or you know four games where SC needs two wins if they want to go to a bowl game yeah, this is a lame duck team, and it feels like it. There's really nothing more to say. Qu- quick question. Any chance you think SC says no to the bowl game? No. I don't think so either, because of last year. No. I, th- I think they would, like, they, even if they, they go 6-6, six six, six, I think you'd take it because you didn't do one last year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, uh, next one. Chris in Van Nuys. We're just going to all the calls in the valley, apparently. Hey, represent. Hey, gang, this is Chris from Van Nuys. I just wanted to say, uh, for the Arizona game, it was homecoming. So big shout out to Dr. Arthur C. Bartner, who led the band for 50 years, coming up since the 1970s. And so they brought back all the alumni for halftime. It was spectacular to say farewell to the guy who started the soundtrack for the USC football program. Very important in developing who we are, our identity. And I want to say thank you for everything that you do on the podcast and for the Reign of Troy Nation. Fight on, fight out. Thanks for the call, Chris. Yes, 100%. The The whole band thing was awesome. I loved it. It was great to see uh, Dr. Bartner honored like that. I wish it was. I wish there were more people in the stands yeah, it's just, he to, did, to be able to enjoy it. Dr. Bartner deserved more than, than, uh, than that turnout for that game. He deserved more than that game. Um, but... You don't get to pick these things. I mean, last right. year, the a lot of things got canceled. I mean, they the had streak to do, ended. Yeah, well, they had to do a whole, you know, like a drive-by, a, a drive-through 
retirement thing for him and it yep. just like, everything got messed up as far as paying homage to a lot of these people because of the pandemic and and now you know just a bad season is it may take some of the shine off but it shouldn't take any of the shine off of his uh a very illustrious career uh wish him all the best awesome to see the band come out the way that they did uh and uh represent chris from van nuys who just had a conversation about what what is somebody who's from van nuys called we decided that van Iser is probably the Born and raised Van Nuys. Yeah, me. I believe so. Wikipedia said it's Angelino, and it's like, well, no. yes, but like, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, and then one more thing I want to point out here. I have to be that guy. I love the band's stuff. I love it. I love the band so much. Uh, I love Homecoming for the band. I look forward to it every year because the band plays Sing, 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 and it's beautiful, and it's the all of the alums there plain and especially with sing 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 so perfect at least they, did, they didn't play sing 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 yeah we we've heard it's out of the rotation end of an era it's a yearly thing i look forward to i know i'm sorry when they when they take the counter march away I'm, i'll be right with you you don't like the counter march i'm gonna withhold my opinion <laughs> uh let's go to a call we got from uh michael in idaho hey guys this is michael in the 563 i'm just sitting here contemplating how much better weather you guys are getting it's uh i think our high today is supposed to be about 45 and um, i suspect you guys are like 30 degrees higher than that and also thinking about usc and recruiting and how toxic that environment's going to be this year i would think just because the coaching staff they know unless they've got some sort of guarantees, which the next coach wouldn't want. Uh, there's no reason for them to recruit hard. They're going to be going elsewhere. They're probably, in fact, spending their time looking for uh, their own, you know, jobs. Um, and so I was just wondering what your thoughts are on that. And uh, in a way, I'm I'm glad they won Saturday, but uh, it, Blake London's injury is a shame. And, uh uh, the only unfortunate part is it, it gets us closer to bowl eligibility, and, and the only bowl I'd like to see us eligible for is the Hyper Bowl. That's it. Take care. Have a good one. Bye. Let's all go to the Hyper Bowl. That should, uh, you know, that should just be the only bowl that we pay any attention to. We'll put it on. Maybe, maybe we'll do a. a uh, no, there's we could pull up the old incident of lay games. There was a salad bowl. There used to be a bowl game. Yeah. Was there not a cereal bowl? There should have been a cereal bowl. There should be a cereal bowl. Yeah, should have yeah. been a cereal bowl. Uh, yeah, I think the the toxic stuff about the recruiting is is going to be there. I, I, negative recruiting against USC is huge right now because there is no coach, so there's nothing to defend against it. Uh, that changes once a, a new coach comes in. The early signing period, though, is right around the corner. Yeah, uh, you have to make a hire that's splashy enough. The guys pause and decide not to make their decision at the early signing period and give that new hire a chance. Yeah. And I was listening to uh, our friends over at the uh, Parastyle podcast, uh, and they made the, the great point, too, that at the same same point, if you have to eat it, you have to eat it. Hey. Like, like there's there's... You can't hire someone just to recruit this class. You have to hire someone who's going to be the face of your program for the next 10 to 15 years. Making the right hire is a hell of a lot more important than salvaging kids one in class. class. Yeah. 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 It sucks, but that's just the way of the beast right now. Uh, let's go to a text message we got. 
uh, from Alex in Chicago. Is it better to hire a rising energetic coach like Dave Aranda of Baylor or a seasoned coach like James Franklin? How can USC avoid what happened with Michigan with Jim Harbaugh and UCLA with Chip Kelly? Fight on. Hope you feel better, Alex from Chicago. You can't. That's the sucky part. You can't. This is one of those situations where we've talked about it a million times. I've said this all throughout the years. There's two ways to hire. There's two ways to judge a hire in the moment and how it pans out. Uh, and so many times those things don't align. I, I don't know how you avoid those things because both of those hires were well thought out and the right guy for the right moment. I think James Franklin probably puts you in the range of, of uh, Harbaugh at Michigan in that he will be good, but will he be good enough? Uh, so that's how I would avoid that. Uh, but uh, I think I think I don't know that there's a Chip Kelly hire out there. I think there's Tom Herman hires out there. I think there's J- Justin Fuente hires out there. Uh, but uh, but it really is you just have you got to hope cross your fingers that the people making the decisions have good evaluation of 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 coaching talent. Yeah, and it's if not you, easy. If if you take a chance on someone like a Dave Aranda, that's just the chance you have to make because what it is is Penn State took that. Penn State hired Dave Aranda. On, on, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like Vandy. Dave Aranda at, at Baylor is essentially... Uh, Franklin at Vandy, yeah. Franklin at Vandy, essentially. Yeah. And it panned out and worked for them. So, like, it's hard to say that Franklin's not wouldn't work when Dave Aranda would. So it's one of those give and takes. But um, I, I don't know. I don't think there's a one clear answer. Uh, let's go to a Slack message from David Orange County. Is it me... But it seemed like there was a bit of a domino effect of firing head coaches midseason this year. I don't think it's a this year thing. I think it's an early signing period thing. This is the new normal for college football. You yep. have to make your move earlier and earlier because of the stupid early signing period. Yep. He also says, are we at advantage for firing Clay before TCU, LSU, etc.? And only if we've made the contacts ahead of the, them and built up a relationship to a point where... They, the the coach that they want feels comfortable, but I don't know how much relationship you could have been, been building I, during the season anyway. So I don't I don't think there's any. I think that stuff is for the most part is mostly overrated because I think you're doing. If you are an AD, if you're if you're Bone and if you're Sosna, you should have been preparing this whether or not you had a coach. This this applies pretty much only to like a Chris Peterson or a or a Stoops, a Bob Stoops. Yes. You can be having those conversations earlier, but for active head coaches, no, I don't. I don't think it makes a difference. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Next one from Dan. Uh, what does uh, the CFP's current rankings of undefeated uh, Big Twelve and ACC teams mean for the conferences? I suspect nothing good. Oklahoma is a special case, though, because they have just looked ripe for the picking this entire time. It's not a reflection of the Big 12. It's a reflection of how poor they've played from game to game. I think the ACC is in trouble if Clemson isn't their top dog. Luckily for Oklahoma, their biggest games are still on the docket. Yeah. They still got to play Baylor. They still got to play Oklahoma State. They've got big games on their schedule. Slack message from Josh. Do you think Helton hires Todd Orlando or Graham Harrell at Georgia Southern? Uh, No, I do not see that uh, going at all. Email from Andrew. After hearing the CarCast convo about the baffling assistant decision to switch quarterbacks every drive and how it's not good for either of their confidence, I started wondering, not saying Clay should have left uh, or the season would be totally different if he was still there or anything like that, but do you think there's a chance there are chances 
that Dante is making serious rookie mistakes and perhaps even lost the players and staff. Is that possible? I think I said this on a previous episode. I think USC's win-loss record this season is probably better if Clay Helton is the head coach right now. Yeah. Is it significantly better to the point where USC is realistically in contention for the Pac-12 South? I don't think so because the defense was just going to be bad, I think. I don't think it would have been better enough for him not to be fired. But I do think Dante looks like a guy who's never been a head coach before. And Clay Hilton, the one thing he always had going for him was keeping his team together and fighting. Uh, So, uh, yeah, I think think if Clay was still the head coach, the toxicity would be extreme. But there would be like... Toxicity online. Online, yeah. But uh, but the the season would probably be more positive than it has been. But I also think you had to make that change. It didn't matter when. Yeah, and and if Dante's lost the room, then he's lost the room. Like it, it's a tough spot for him to be in. I don't know. It's difficult to judge that one. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's gonna wrap up this this episode. Thanks for the questions and everything. As always, you guys are awesome. Our email address is randomtroyatfansite.com and our phone number 213-373-1872. Go ahead and play along with our over-under game. Check out the link in the description. Make your picks, your overs, and your unders and see how you fare against us. We'll talk about it next week. Uh, that's going to be it. Um, at least you got a final word. My final word is Uber. Folks, if, if you've had too much to drink and you need to get home, just call an Uber. Or a Lyft. Yeah. Or a Lyft. Or, or a taxi. Or a friend, a friend. Or a parent. Or somebody. Just There's no shame. Just if, There's if literally no shame. If you've seen anything about this Henry Rugg stuff, it just is the most... It's not worth it. Two young lives are ruined. Yeah. It's absolutely not worth it for, for anybody. It's, yeah, it's just, a horrible situation. Just uh, some, sometimes we all need a reminder. Just be smart. You know. Just... Yeah. Just... Uh, this is the worst reminder in the world, but sometimes uh, th- you have to just learn something from an awful situation, and that's the thing that I just want. I'm so like it's just every every detail I learn more just makes me sadder about the situation. So yeah, just call Uber. It's not that hard. Hundred percent. It's a downer end this episode. On sorry. <laughs> no, no, it needs to be said. It needs to be said. Hundred percent needs yeah. to be said. So yeah, don't be afraid. Again, no shame. Until next time, see ya. See ya.